Blog Talk Radio. Hello out there to all you Dodger folk and Brooklyn folk. This is the converted Mets fan, Sam Maxwell, and you are here at the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. Uh, we have a longtime friend on the show today, and that is the Brooklyn Borough historian, Ron Schweiger. Ron, welcome back. Thank you, Sam. Glad to be back. Now, uh, I want to, before we get into the highway system, I wanted to briefly go over uh, Garrison Park with, uh, sorry, Garrison Beach with you. Uh, we had a gentleman on the show uh, on Monday uh, named uh, Bob Catherwood, and he is from uh, Garrison Beach. And I wanted to kind of just uh, transition into this new episode with you, since I know I'm certain you know a lot about Garrison Beach as you know a lot about Brooklyn. Okay. Well, what's the question? Well, what is the question? So, so where, when did this community first pop up? Well, first of all, uh, let's start, as they say in the Bible, in the beginning. Um, Garrison <laughs> Beach gets its name from Wolfred Garrison von Cohenhoven. Mr. Garrison, along with another gentleman named Andres Huddy, some people who are listening might know Andres Huddy Jr. High School, which is on Nostrand Avenue near Avenue K. Um, these two fellows, Mr. Huddy and Mr. Garrison, on June 16, 1636, purchased land from the local Indians, the Canarsie Indians, um, and the center of the large parcel of land that they purchased became the Dutch village of New Amersfoort or named after Amersfoort in the Netherlands. Um, when the English took over in 1664, um, they changed New Amersfoort to Flatlands. Um, and the intersection of the two main Indian trails, Flappish Avenue and Kings Highway, which are today the big streets, that became the center of the Dutch village of New Amersfoort, and which eventually became Flatlands. Garrison Beach is within the boundaries of the property that was purchased on that day, June 16, 1636. No money was transacted. I mean, uh, the Indians had no use for money. There were no stores to buy anything. Anything they needed, they would hunt for, as did the Dutch when they first arrived. Because, again, they had to go hunting in the woods in Brooklyn for their food, for their clothing, and, and whatnot. So Garrison Beach um, was a community mostly developed probably in the 20s and 30s and 40s. That's when it, it, it began. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, well, the word beach, it is a beach area. It's right along the shore. And um, unfortunately, it was devastated on October 29th, 2012, when Hurricane Sandy smashed into the uh, northeastern part of the United States. Um, and ironically, it was not at that time a prime flood-prone area, according to the uh, um, the the labeling of which areas are flood prone. Now it is a prime area, obviously. So anyhow, um, that's pretty much how Garrison Beach got its start, Garrison Avenue, mm -hmm. and so on. I hope that answers the question. Absolutely, no. That's it's fantastic to go all the way back uh, to the Dutch times and the uh, the Native American times. Uh, so it sounds as if that that um, you know, considering that it's right next to Marine Park, that's a, that's a good, uh, sizable green area in Brooklyn. Uh, that, well, well uh, Marine Park the way, the way is the largest park in Brooklyn. It's the it's um, acreage wise, it's larger than Prospect Park. Uh, 
Not by too much, but it is larger. So it sounds like that that uh, Garrison Beach till the, the turn of the century, till the twenty uh, the twenties, thirties, and forties, like you said, um, right. didn't didn't develop uh, the way it looks now. Until then, well, it, initially when it developed, it was you know sparsely populated, um, but um, once streets started to uh, expand further into, I don't want to say desolate areas. But uh, the shoreline really uh, wasn't developed until, um, well, what we're going to be talking about today is is the highway system. Once the Belt Mm -hmm. Parkway uh, um, was being contemplated uh, in the 1930s, um, it was completed in the early 1940s. 40-41 was when most of the Belt Parkway system was completed. And... uh, the whole shoreline of uh, Brooklyn um, and Queens um, was really started to get um, uh, popularized by development um, once you had easy access to get to those areas once these streets and highways were developed. Right. And and then yeah, that was perfect transition because that's exactly where I was about to go with the, uh, the Belt Parkway. And it, it's remarkable. You see on the other side of Garrison Beach and Marine Park, Flatbush Avenue. Now, does Flatbush Avenue go right into the belt, or is that just an intersection that goes underneath the Belt Parkway? Well, before the Belt Parkway was built, Flatbush Avenue ended at Avenue U, where King's Plaza is. There was mm. there was no extension beyond that. Um, there was uh, there was um, let's put it this way, um, where Floyd Bennett Field is, that's landfill. Um, Floyd Bennett Field is, is partially built on an island called Barron Island. And, um, in fact, there was a small little airfield on Barron Island before Floyd Bennett Field opened in 1931. And the, the, the current extension of Flappish Avenue passed Avenue U towards the Marine Parkway, the Gil Hodges Marine Parkway Bridge. Um, that extension was um, paved over um, once... Um, uh, Floyd Bennett Field opened in 1931-32, um, but there was no Bell Parkway over there at all until mm-hmm. the early 40s. But you have a, you needed to get access to Floyd Bennett Field, so past Avenue U, that was paved partially to get to the airport to Floyd Bennett Field, which, mm-hmm. by the way, was the first municipal airport of New York City, but it never never became the official airport because once Newark Airport opened in New Jersey, that was much closer to Manhattan. There was no right. highway system when uh, when uh, Floyd Bennett Field opened up. So anyone flying also, into New York... Looks, I was going to say it also looks rather small to have been a, a uh, major airport for New York City. Well, keep in mind, there wasn't much air travel at that time. Right. There were no jet planes yet. Um, I mean, the, the runways, of course, are still there at Floyd Bennett Field. But in order to get to Manhattan, if you would land at Floyd Bennett Field, you would have to drive all the way up Flappish Avenue and take the Manhattan Bridge into Manhattan. That's quite a trip. But Newark Airport is much closer to Manhattan than Floyd Bennett Field. Mm-hmm. So Newark became the main airport. And then, of course, um, you had LaGuardia Airport, in northern Queens, and Idlewild Airport, notice I say Idlewild, in Queens, that became 
John F. Kennedy Airport after Kennedy's assassination. It's it's fascinating to look. So so um, when you you look at Brooklyn right now, so many people out there don't know another world of Brooklyn without all these highways. Um, oh, that's so, right. Yeah. So so what was the first highway that Brooklyn ever saw? The first highway. Um, well, I guess well, in, 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 I, I wouldn't in call it a highway, terms. but right. but if you take Eastern Parkway and Ocean Parkway, all right. Um, technically, they're not parkways. I mean, the designation of the word parkway, um, you, you're not allowed to have commercial traffic on something designated as a parkway. But that's not true in Brooklyn, because you have Fort Hamilton Parkway, which is just a, a street going through neighborhoods. Right. It's not technically a parkway. But Ocean Parkway and Eastern Parkway were developed when Prospect Park was being developed. And these two main arteries, Eastern Parkway and Ocean Parkway, commercial vehicles are not permitted, only passenger cars. But Fort Hamilton Parkway, you can get trucks and, and uh, commercial vehicles on there. Interesting, interesting. So uh, of, the, of, of an interstate, let's say, what was the first uh, interstate that, that Brooklyn saw? And the interstate who was behind the system. Yeah, the interstate highway system wasn't developed until the nineteen um, the the fifties. In fact, President Dwight Eisenhower um, instituted the beginnings of the um, United States interstate highway system, and uh, we can all be thankful for that because now you know we can get leave your house in Brooklyn and just drive through the streets and take it to one of the interstate highway systems, and you can go all the way to California. Um, you know, uh, yeah. uh, and one street leads to a next, one highway leads to the next, and so on. And that uh, wasn't available, really, uh, as a main interstate highway system until uh, it got started in the 1950s. Following World War II, America fell in love with the automobile. And uh, that led to um, increased traveling, and, of course, that led to the highway system, where, where it would make easy access for people to get um to faraway places rather than just traveling locally. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can be thankful for that. Uh, um, many people say there are too many cars on, on those streets and highways right now. But listen, um, and I tell you, we have two cars in our family, but they're, they're, they are a necessity. Uh, initially, right. they were um, more of a casual thing initially when they first came about at the turn of the century. But today, automobiles are a necessity for people to uh, to go to places that are important, uh, doctor import, uh, appointments and so on. And, of course, for vacationing. Um, mm -hmm. As far as the first interstate um, highway, uh, well, look, the Belt Parkway is designated. Uh, the signage on the Belt Parkway is partially funded by the federal government. Mm -hmm. When... Uh, when Borough President Marty Markowitz um, had these wonderful signs put on all of the highways leading into and out of uh, Brooklyn, um, many of uh, the listeners will know some of these signs. It says, Welcome to Brooklyn, home to everyone from everywhere. Home to, uh, welcome to Brooklyn, you name it, we got it. Welcome to Brooklyn, how sweet it is. But there was one sign that he wanted that he had a lot of trouble getting the feds to help fund for it. 
And uh, finally, they gave in, and that sign is up. And when you're in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and you want to go into Manhattan across the Williamsburg Bridge, now, you know, a good part of Williamsburg has a large Orthodox Hasidic Jewish community. And uh, the sign that finally was put up uh, after agreeable uh, to the federal government was leaving Brooklyn, Oive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I as you enter the bridge from the Williamsburg that. sign, it says leaving Brooklyn, Oive. It's like similar to the sign on the Belt Parkway when you're leaving Brooklyn and entering Queens. It says leaving Brooklyn. Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. See, the feds exactly. felt that the Oive sign was too ethnic. But listen, there are more Jews in Brooklyn today than anywhere in the world except for Tel Aviv, Israel. And New York City has more Jews than anywhere else in the world. So the sign would be very appropriate for Brooklyn. Exactly. Exactly. So so when we're talking about the, the, uh, the design, the type of, of highway system that we see throughout Brooklyn now, uh, uh, basically, let's say a three to four lane, uh, um, no light highway. Uh, which one was the first? I know that I know that when I'm going over the and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, and you could probably help me. The Kosciuszko Bridge. <laughs> how, how, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so. it's Kosciuszko. <laughs> Kosciuszko Bridge between Brooklyn and Queens on the BQE uh, says it was built in 1939. So this is okay. So, so so yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway um, went through. Uh, you know, it extends from Brooklyn into Queens, obviously, and the bridge itself um, goes over a waterway. I believe it goes over Newtown Creek, and uh, so it had to be elevated, obviously, and that probably was a, one of the first uh, highways, so to speak. Um, well, like I said, the Belt Parkway was in the early 40s, 1940-41. In fact, I have a book of the, um, that was published in 1941 uh, um, by the highway system showing photographs and uh, brief descriptions of the building of the oh, Belt wow. Parkway. Um, I have it in storage right now. I'm cleaning out my basement and I'm putting stuff into storage so that uh, we we got to clean out our basement, that we're going to need a new floor down there and it, it, it's, uh, it looks like somebody who's hoarding stuff. I have all my Brooklyn history <laughs> stuff down there. So, uh, by the way, we, Sam, within two years from now, within two years, I am donating all of my Brooklyn memorabilia, everything, including my Brooklyn hmm. Dodgers stuff and my books, maps, documents, postcards, everything, is going to the Brooklyn College Archives in their library. Oh, that's fantastic. That's, that's yeah. going to be excellent. Yeah, I want it. I want it to be available to the students, the staff, and any outsiders that wish to do research and and look at my material that, that I've been collected for oh about thirty five years now. Um, you know, I want this available to be seen. I want people to have access to it, not just to have it in my basement and answer questions yeah, and, from you know, people. Right, exactly. And I've seen photos of of that basement. I believe I've seen photos of that basement. You know, some of those <laughs> those photos of you out there in front of all your your stuff. That's in the basement. That's in the basement. Yes. Yeah. So so going going back um, to the uh, you know uh, Kosciuszko. Did I get it right now? <laughs> yeah, it's Polish. 
Oh, right, right, exactly. And um, so that, now, that I'm not going to ask um, you to spell it, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, by the I way, there's a joke about that. Do you know the joke about Kosciuszko Street? I do not. In the days of um, trolley cars and horses and wagons, um, before the automobile, um, a trolley car um, hit a horse and killed the horse. And the horse is laying on the street. And a police officer is assigned to cover you know, the incident. And he's taking down information. And he asks one of the witnesses, it says, all right, uh, what is the street here, please? And the guy says, Kosciuszko Street. And the the officer writes down the letter K, and uh, nobody seems to have been able to spell the street, the name. So he asked a couple of burly guys to grab the horse's legs and drag it over to the next corner to a street that would be very easily to be spelled. <laughs> that, that's an old story that I've heard many, many times. <laughs> oh, man. that's uh, I'm, I'm sure in this day and age, uh, um, it, it, if it's a story, it might uh, get some uh, people uh, wrangled up uh, in terms of the horse. Yeah, probably, part, but... yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so you know, it's all connected now, going from the Triborough Bridge uh, over the Kosciuszko Bridge uh, uh, and all the way down to the Gowanus. So, so when did all of that start to, to uh, shape, to, to be, to really, um, you know, what, when was the first time that, I, I know that, you know, these, these have bulldozed through communities. Uh, when oh, was the absolutely. first time that Brooklyn, when was the first time that Brooklyn had a big issue with the highway that was, that was coming into built? And and who who was at the uh, the the head of of the construction of, of of all these highways? Well, there was a book published a number of years ago called The Power Broker, and it was all about a fellow named Robert Moses. And many of us feel that he was the wrong Moses. Um, <laughs> Robert Moses um, was in charge of all the land dealings in New York City. Um, in fact, um, in 2007, HBO had a two-hour documentary called The Brooklyn Dodgers, The Ghosts of Flatbush. And, and in that documentary, um, it is clearly seen and heard um, Walter O'Malley, the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers, Robert Moses, and the mayor of the city, Robert Wagner, we're having a meeting on the back patio of Gracie Mansion. And Walter O'Malley, the Dodger owner, he wanted to stay in Brooklyn. He wanted a new ballpark at the intersection of Flatbush Avenue and Atlantic Avenue, right where the Barclays Center is now. Okay? Um, and in this news clip of the three guys discussing this, O'Malley says, you know, I... I want a new ballpark at that location. And by the way, it would have been the first domed stadium in the United States, before, even mm -hmm. before the Houston Astrodome. Well, anyhow, Robert Moses says, I will build you a new ballpark in Queens. And O'Malley looks at him and says, the Brooklyn Dodgers are not going to play in Queens. Mayor Robert Wagner, the mayor of the city, didn't open his mouth and say one word because Moses had more political clout than Mayor Wagner did as far as dealing with land and what's being done with land around the city. Now, why did O'Malley want the new ballpark for the Dodgers at Flappish and Atlantic? 
for the same reason the Barclay Center was built there 50 years after the Dodgers left. And the reason is there are nine subway lines at that intersection, about four bus lines, and the end of the line of the Long Island Railroad. And any Brooklynites that had moved out to Long Island on the new highway system that Moses built, all right, out to Levittown, which opened in the early 1940s. Mr. Levitt built that. He built one in Pennsylvania, too, called Levittown. All right? All the Brooklyn Dodger fans would have to do that left Brooklyn out to the island, get on the Long Island Railroad, and take it to the last stop, Flappish and Atlantic Avenue. Get out of the train, and there is the new ballpark to root for your team. That's why O'Malley wanted it there. And, of course, Moses reneged on that. And, uh, as they say, the rest is history. Of course, mm-hmm. we hated O'Malley for this, but later on, many years later, it came out that it was Robert Moses that really prevented the Dodgers from staying here by not uh, um, going along with having a, a ballpark built at Flappish and Atlantic Avenue. And, but business you know, I, I, I remember that choice. I, I, right, right, exactly. And I remember uh, uh, the, the image that you're talking about with the, the three men um, sitting on the on the porch, and I, I remember, and, and this just says a lot about Robert Moses uh, in terms of his personality, that he had kind of this this look of disdain, like like Walter O'Malley was wasting his time, and he seemed to have that kind of of attitude about uh, uh, most of his dealings. And yeah. I remember hearing about the Gowanus, um, and, and basically it, it seems as if his his go to with all of these. These uh, op- all the opposition uh, uh, in terms of what what he wanted to build uh, uh, for the post-war America, um, and actually this is uh, what I'm talking about is actually pre pre-war America. Um, That's that right. He, it started he called, pre-war he and call, then extended into right. the war years. He would call these places slums. Oh, they're just slums. They're just slums. And I hear you know uh, the Gowanus is built on uh, a wide stretch of, of Third Avenue. And I hear that that area was pretty uh, um, uh, resounding back in the day before the highway came about. Well, it was a middle-class, you know, blue-collar community. Um, And um, the construction um, took away some of the housing that people were living in. Um, And uh, and, and incidentally, uh, the, the Gowanus also extended into another part of Brooklyn called Ocean Parkway. Because um, if you go down Ocean Parkway to the northern end of it, at Church Avenue, you all of a sudden come onto the Prospect Expressway. And that Prospect Expressway takes you directly to the Gowanus Expressway. Now, the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, which I will always call the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, even though it has two names now, the Hugh Carey Tunnel, (laughs) named after the uh, governor of the state of New York. Um, um, the, sometimes you can't get used to the name changes. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. It's not the um, RFK either. Uh, any of the listeners who are listening, um, the trolley car that used to run on Church Avenue, when it reached Ocean Parkway, it went in a tunnel under Ocean Parkway and came up on the other side, on, on the Kensington side of Ocean Parkway. And I have photographs that show the trolleys going down into the tunnel and coming up on the other side. That's when the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel was being built. 
I think they started building the tunnel in, in the mid-1930s, and it was completed and opened in 1950. So in 1950, the Battery Tunnel opened, and that's when the highways were already in place. The Gowanus Expressway was in place, the Prospect Expressway was in place, the Belt Parkway was in place, and all of these are interconnected with one another. Um, and the belt, you know, well, just like you have a belt around your waist holding up your pants, um, the Belt Parkway goes around Brooklyn and Queens. Uh, in Paris, there is a highway very similar. It's called Le Periphérique, all right, back the periphery around the outskirts of the city of Paris. I remember I drove on that once many, many years ago, hmm. um, and I all of a sudden discovered I was going in the wrong direction. I had to turn around and go back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyhow, um, the uh, there, even though Moses had a lot of pull and had his way, there was a, an incident where he did not get his way, and we can thank the people of um, uh, of the city of New York that prevented him from building a highway right through Greenwich Village, which would have yes. destroyed a lot of historic homes, which would have destroyed part of the neighborhood. It was going to go right through the heart of Greenwich Village uh, and connect, like, to the West Side Highway. And that never through, happened. From basically, from basically uh, the Holland Tunnel directly through to Brooklyn. Right. To one of okay. the bridges. And there was another incident in Brooklyn Heights. Now... Uh, Brooklyn Heights is right now celebrating um, the 50th anniversary of the establishment of the New York City Landmarks Commission. Brooklyn Heights, um, in 1965, when the Landmarks Commission was established, was designated the first historic district of New York City. Okay, But Moses, when building the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway, he was going to take out some beautiful brownstones overlooking the New York Harbor and uh, built the, um, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway going through that area. He was going to destroy some of the homes. Well, the people living in Brooklyn Heights, they protested vehemently. How can you do this and this and this? Well, if you look at the Brooklyn Queens Expressway today, you will notice that it is on a, a double level. You have a, a higher level mm -hmm. and a lower level. And you still have that beautiful promenade where people can can walk and see the beautiful harbor and the lower Manhattan skyline and so on, the Statue of Liberty, the Brooklyn Bridge. But Moses was going to eliminate a lot of the homes right along the edge of the where the promenade is now. Um, those would have been destroyed. But the people uh, um, were vehement, and um, they were convinced the city, not to go along with the, his original plans, with Moses' original plans. So, and, you know, the old saying, you can't fight City Hall. Yes, you can. Mm. And it's a good thing that they did. <laughs> it is a very good thing that they did, you know, because uh, looking at it, um, you know, it was able to cut through Greenpoint and Williamsburg like a, like a knife, like, like a, a pen, similar to, to the way uh, the Bronx, uh, the, the, um, Cross Bronx Expressway kind of devastated that borough. That's um, right. But then, but then you get to Brooklyn Heights, and it has to go around. Yeah. And you know, you can see it what you're talking about uh, clearly. And and going back to what you mentioned about Manhattan, 
Um, it seemed as if, you know, he was able to get his way in the Bronx and Brooklyn in some fashion, Brooklyn and Queens uh, um, in the 50s. But then you kind of got to Manhattan in the 60s, and this is, you know, starting to be the protest era. So uh, what, what was her name again? I'm sorry. I'm blanking on her name. I'm uh, sorry. What was, Soho. what was What was the lady who uh, you were mentioning who, who was kind of at the, at the, uh, the foreground of, of stopping Moses uh, in terms um, of the Soho I didn't mention anyone's name. I, I, I don't know. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forget. I, I'm blanking on her name, but she was. Uh, she she basically led the uh, the protest for this. Uh, what you were discussing in terms of Greenwich Village and Soho, and so you know the only where the only place he was able to get his way in Manhattan was along the uh, the side, uh, the the uh, the border of Manhattan. Right. Um, and it's. I mean, because what I what I've heard is that he basically wanted to put a highway through every tier, every every tier of Manhattan. Well, it's a good thing it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. That is for sure. Uh, going to the Prospect Expressway, you talked about uh, Ocean Parkway and um, how it goes into the Prospect Expressway. How right. far did Ocean Parkway originally go? How how much was uh, of the Prospect Expressway ended up cutting through some, some historic uh, buildings and historic uh, uh, areas? Okay. If you if you enter the Prospect Expressway um, from Church Avenue, okay, that's the northern end of Ocean Parkway. Originally, Ocean Parkway continued to the next exit, uh, the first exit you come to, which is the Prospect Park exit, okay. And so you you go onto the Prospect Expressway from Church Avenue, and you stay in the right lane. And the first exit you come to, you go around that curve. And as you're going around the curve, there are apartment houses. You'll notice on your left, those addresses of those apartment houses are Ocean Parkway addresses. So Ocean Parkway went up to there, up to just about where Prospect Park is by Coney Island Avenue. All right? So it would curve. In fact, there's a photograph that I recall um, that was taken... Oh, it was taken when? Probably around the turn of the century. And it shows uh, bicyclists and horseback uh, riding um, on Ocean Parkway, right at that curve, before the apartment houses were built. There were no houses there yet. And, uh, in fact, Ocean Parkway used to have a bridle path. You could ride your horse from Prospect Park down to Coney Island on the eastern side of Ocean Parkway, where the service road is, all right, you had the service road, and then you had a bridle path. I know, because I grew up on Avenue S between East 7th and East 8th, just one block from Ocean Parkway, and there was the bridle path in the 1950s. And on the west side of Ocean Parkway, by the uh, service road, you had the bicycle path, which is still there today. So in the winter, you had horse-drawn sleigh races on Ocean Parkway, you know, when it was unpaved, you know, before automobiles. <laughs> that's, I always, that's that when I was a science teacher, Sam, I would always tell my students, um, I wish somebody would invent a time machine, and I would like to be the third person to try it out, because I wanted to make sure the first two came back, and I would like to go back yeah. to the turn of the century Brooklyn with my camera, and go to places that I know I would love to take pictures of. Um, but, again, I'd, I want to make sure the first two people who try to come back 
Otherwise, the pictures wouldn't do me any good. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, I have a question for you looking at the map. Uh, the Belt Parkway goes through Sunset Park um, and then splits. Uh, what, what's what's the deal with that split? Is that just uh, each one is one way, or do you know? I um, guess one goes to the Verrazano. There's a split. I think I think it's by 65th Street. I think in uh, the Bay right. Ridge area. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm not sure of what why the split is there. Um, I'm not sure, but that's that's where the Gowanus Expressway begins. That's where okay, it, it, see, that's where you come onto the Gowanus. And incidentally, um, whenever you hear traffic reports on the news, you know New York City they, every morning, you know during the rush hour, they always give traffic reports, and they always say the Gowanus Expressway this, the Gowanus Expressway that. When you get onto the Gowanus Expressway, either coming from the Belt Parkway or coming out of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, you're on the Gowanus Expressway. But there's not one sign telling you that you're on the Gowanus Expressway. There's not one sign indicating what road you're on. All right? It's just part of the Belt system or part of the Brooklyn-Queens Expressway system. It is not – there's no designation, not one sign in either direction telling you you're on the Gowanus Expressway. Yet all the traffic reports say Gowanus Expressway. I mean, anyone who travels it knows what it is. But – you, you you tell someone who's coming to visit you from out of town, mm-hmm. and they're coming, and you're telling them, well, when you get out of the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel, get right onto the Gowanus Expressway, and they're going to be looking for a sign, and there's no sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, there should be a sign, yeah. Gowanus Expressway, somewhere along there. Agreed. I guess, you know, it's just part of the, the BQE uh, Expressway. It's the, all part the, of the BQE the, uh, the belt system. That's all it is. Look, the Belt Parkway has um, three names. It's the Belt Parkway, it's the Shore Parkway, and also Leif Erickson Drive. Right. Yeah. So it has three that, designations. That's free. It's it's remarkable and it's it's fascinating to think that one man could have such an impact on an entire city. And and it you know they I I part of what some of the criticism is that. Um, you know, for for a man who was in charge of, uh, of of building this city, he didn't really seem to care for it too much. Well, he fell in love with the automobile. After World War II, um, the, those beautiful cars in the 1950s with the fins on them. Uh, and, I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, uh, even today, even today, Sam, um, all I have to do is see the real lights. Of a, of a car from the 50s without even looking at the name of the car. I can tell you pretty much the year the year and make of the car just by looking because we didn't have all of the imported cars. There were no Japanese or Korean cars back then. These were American cars. I think the only foreign car I remember seeing was the Volkswagen Beetle. All the other cars hmm. in, back in the uh, 50s when I was a kid, these were American cars. Chrysler Corporation, Ford, um, 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 General Motors, all these cars were very distinctly different from one another, and you can easily tell them apart. Today, so many cars look alike. Yep. So many cars look alike. And you can't tell from one commercial to the next sometimes. <laughs> That's, and sometimes you watch TV and you have three car commercials, three different cars, one after the other. Yes. Well, you know, it's, there's there's so many uh, different angles to go with uh, with 
with all this highway talk uh, with Brooklyn. And, you know, uh, it's it's something uh, certainly to continue on another podcast, uh, more oh, in depth sure. even. Um, so so I, I was um, – I'm trying – I'm basically uh, combining in some fashion. I do a, a Mets podcast where we uh, – uh, uh, on Rising Apple, just to, for a shameless plug, it's a Rising Apple for, for all you Met fans out there, and it's the Rising Apple Report on Blog Talk Radio. But Ron, we always uh, go to our guests and our our uh, hosts and and um, and writers and whatnot. We always ask them for their last word. So, Ron, I am going to ask you for your last word. Last word. Uh, any particular topic? Any particular topic uh, regarding uh, 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 Brooklyn and the highway system? Okay. Um, something, this has to do with drivers who are driving, okay, on the streets and highways. Um, if you're stopped at a red light, all right, and your intention is to make a turn, right or left, put your signals on. Don't put your signals on when the light changes green. Let people behind you know in advance that you're going to make a turn. So many people that I see all the time, they they just sit there. They know they're going to turn, but they don't put their signal on until the light changes green. And all of a sudden, you're stuck behind them. This way, if they have their signal on in advance, you can pull to their right. And when the light changes, you're going to go straight, and then you won't be stuck behind them. So many people are so rude that they don't put their signals on, either at all or at the last second when the light changes. So that, that's just a pet peeve of mine that I have with, <laughs> <Yeah>. with drivers. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Uh, it's very ironic that you mentioned that because I, I kind of barked at a, a cab last night for not putting his signal on, even when he, you know, through the turn, he turned and didn't have the signal on the entire time. So that is universal no matter what time <laughs> we're discussing, whether that be uh, current current natures or uh, past uh, having to do with uh, the Dodgers back then and, and Brooklyn back then. Everybody always should be putting on their signal. Ron, it's well, always fascinating to talk to you, and uh, it's um, – you know, you're always welcome back, and, and we'll keep uh, discussing Robert Moses and the highway system and all things Brooklyn. Thank okay. you very much. Pleasure talking with you again, Sam. And uh, that is our show, everybody. Uh, join us next time. Have a great one.